Our final reading this evening is from Luke 2, 8 to 14. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Have you ever received a Christmas present you didn't ask for or want? I have. Years ago, I was given a battery charger. I'm like, what is this? I don't think I'd ever seen one. I hardly knew what to do with it. I wanted something else for Christmas. Toys. Big boy toys. But I was actually fooling myself because I did not realize that just because you didn't want something, it didn't mean you didn't need it. That battery charger has proved to be immensely useful to me for about 40 years. I can't tell you how many times I've started my lawnmower when the battery is dead with this battery charger. See, what did I learn? Here's your Christmas Eve lesson. You don't know you need a battery charger till you have no power. And that's like Jesus. You don't know you need Jesus Christ until you have no power. God has sent his son into the world because we have no power for at least three specific and most critical things. Number one, Christmas celebrates the sending of Jesus Christ into this world because you and I have no power to understand who God is. God created you. God made everything. He is the most beautiful person in the world. If you ever were to stand in his presence, you would never want to leave his presence. He is unspeakable in his beauty, his wisdom, his love, his splendor, his majesty, his power. Knowing God is the most precious thing a human being could ever experience. But he's invisible. We can't see him. How do you know someone you can't see? Some of you think, if I look within myself, I'll see God. No, you won't. Some of you think, I can go out into nature and find God. There's an element of truth in that. The Bible tells that the creation reveals to us the attributes of God. 
But that is insufficient to know God personally. Beloved, God is a person with a name. He's a person to be known personally. He speaks, he acts, he interprets life. One of my favorite hymn writers is 19th century woman Anne Steele and her, in her song, uh, Thou Lovely Trust, the lovely source of true delight, she wrote this, Thy glory or creation shines, but in thy sacred word I read in fairer, brighter lines, my bleeding, dying Lord, see my bleeding, my bleeding, dying Lord. Jesus Christ makes God known. Jesus explains the Father. He is the radiance of his glory, the exact representation of his nature. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. All you need to know about God is in Jesus Christ. Jesus has come. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is the power to know what God is like. I couldn't encourage you enough to find that out for yourself by picking up this sacred book and asking God to show you in it Jesus. Perhaps you'd start with the Gospels. Those are the first four books of the New Testament with a simple prayer. Jesus, if you're God, show yourself to me. Let me get to know you. Let me see what you do, how you think, how you treat people, what you claim. Oh, beloved, to know God is life. You must know him in Jesus Christ. God has sent his son into the world because we have, number one, no power to understand God. Number two, we have no power to understand ourselves. I know this about you, even though you might be a complete stranger to me. You value authenticity. You want to be real. You want to be vital. You want to live a life that's significant. There's something you're pursuing in your life. I don't know what it is, but you're grasping for a kind of glory about what it means to be human. All of us are. Jesus Christ is true humanity. He's full humanity. Not his outer appearance. We read from Isaiah how he's the type of person we would not want to look at physically. It was certainly true as he was being marred on his bloody cross. More on that in a second. But it's Christ's inner beauty that serves as the paradigm par excellence for what it means to be a human being. The way Jesus loved, the way he lived, the way he spoke, the way he served, the way he joyfully obeyed his Father, the way he sacrificed, the way he was cloaked in the beauty of humble other-centeredness. That's true humanity. That's the humanity that you're really looking for in your heart of hearts. That's the humanity that shows up when you're frustrated with your life, not finding the kind of faction you want on your terms. Jesus Christ embodied, he modeled the perfection of truth with grace, tenderness with conviction, power with gentleness, self-sacrifice without failure, weakness without fear, strength without bullying, sovereignty without injustice, mercy without sentimentalism, anger without bitterness, tears without hopelessness, intensity without burnout, brightness without blinding, touch without harshness. Look at Jesus. That's the man or the woman God created you to be. And your attempts 
to find humanity, they're bringing you frustration, they're bringing you discouragement, they're bringing you despair because God won't let them work in your life. And chances are, if you're finding humanity on your own terms, you are making people around you pay. I want you to think about that. God sent his son, Jesus, into this world because we are powerless to know God, to understand ourselves, and finally, to be right with God. Can you imagine how frustrating it was for me? Get home, need to cut the grass, try to start my lawnmower, the battery's dead. Nothing I can do about it. I'm helpless. Four good wheels, a great sharp blade underneath the, the mower deck, a strong engine underneath the, the hood of the lawnmower. I can't get it started. Absolute, utter helplessness and frustration. It is the same with all of us who want to be right with God by ourselves. We don't have it in us. We have no power in ourselves. Can you think of it this way? Your heart battery is dead. You can't produce the perfect righteousness God's law requires. You can't cleanse your heart of the stain of your sin. You're powerless. Jesus has the power. He came to earth for the powerless. In the text, what do the angels announce to the shepherds? We bring you good news of great joy for all the people. And here's the sign of that. What's the sign? They tell them to go to Jerusalem, Bethlehem, and they will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. The sign of the great joy, the Savior, is a baby. That's interesting. Babies look pretty powerless. Babies look pretty helpless. But don't be fooled. God is in Jesus Christ, fully human, fully man, showing you that he is identifying with you in your weakness. This baby is a picture of our powerlessness to save ourselves. Like babies, we can do nothing to fit ourselves for God's holy presence. Oh, but this baby was not powerless. Thirty years later, he began a mission of accomplishment. And for his Father's glory and to save helpless sinners from their sins, Jesus Christ accomplished everything you need to be right with God. He perfectly obeyed his Father, and he paid the penalty for all of your disobedience on the cross. He accomplished a salvation perfectly suited to your greatest needs. He accomplished a salvation you are powerless to do for yourself. Have you kept God's law perfectly? Of course not. Can you rid yourself of your sins? Of course not. The sinless, flawless, utterly righteous Jesus lived that life you owe God without which you will not see him, and he died on the cross to remove all of your sins. Beloved, have you come under his power? How do you know you've come under his power? You find your heart believing this promise, I will save you from your sins. 
You find yourself trusting him and not yourself. You say to Jesus, everything you accomplished, you did it for me. That's enough. That's good enough for me. You are saved by faith, by the grace of Jesus. You believe his promise. He's your savior. But beloved, you say to Jesus, if you did that for me, then I belong to you. You are also my Lord. He is your savior. He must be enthroned in your heart as your Lord. When that happens, his power will begin to change everything. And it is glorious. Do you have the power? Take Jesus. He loves you. His mercy is for you right now. Trust his promise. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you came into this world a seemingly helpless, powerless baby to show us in that manger that we are in fact utterly and helpless and powerless to know God, to know ourselves, and to be right with God. You are God. You show us the Father. You're enough. You are perfectly human. You are the model of human beauty and glory. Thank you for modeling that. And you are the way, the truth, and the life, and the salvation. No one comes to the Father but through you. You are perfectly suited to meet all of our needs to be right with God, keeping your Father's will perfectly in our place, dying a hideous, painful, wretched shameful, punitive death on that cross to remove all of our guilt and sin and shame and filth. What a Savior. We take you. We believe you. There is no other. You are our hope, the Prince of Peace, our life. Come, Lord Jesus, and rule over us, even as you have saved us for your glory's sake. Amen.